Lola ate the entire pie off of the counter. Uh, it was really embarrassing. <laughs> she had spent hours making it, and Lola finished it off in like twenty seconds. <laughs> oh my god! It's okay. It's ten times worse that it was for your friend's grandma. Hello, people with a dog. This is the With a Dog podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and I interview veterinarians, trainers, products, and some really awesome fellow pet parents about how you can get the most out of life with a dog. I hope all of you have been having a great week. Hopefully, you're listening on Wednesday when this episode comes out with a dog Wednesday, if you will. I have been getting shit done this week. I've been making doctor's appointments that I haven't been able to do for the last year for obvious reasons. There's all those memes out there about millennials or whatever who are afraid to call the doctor. That is me. Okay. I don't have a problem talking on the phone. I don't have a problem talking on the mic like I'm doing right now. I have a problem downloading the freaking like insurance app and then checking who's in my network and then calling them and then confirming just in case that they are covered by my insurance. It's a hassle. I've been putting it off, but I got it done this week. In addition to that, I started a new book and it's so freaking good. It's by one of my favorite authors. It's a fantasy novel, which is my favorite genre, and the world building in this novel is insane. Like, started right from the get-go. It's just, like, creating a universe, and I, it's actually making my mind work hard to remember all of these details and things about this, like, world that this author is building. I love it. It's it's actually been, like, so engaging and stimulating for me, and I think it's actually improved my life because my mind is getting a workout. In addition to that, I've been working out every day, taking Albion runs, getting up early, getting stuff done. Who is she? I don't know. Next Wednesday, will it be the same? Really, who knows? This may just be a blip, <laughs> a blip in the usual of lazy Carly, but it's been a good week. Speaking of working out your mind, let's talk about enrichment for your dog. I really hope you all loved that transition right there. Um, <laughs> so today on the episode, we have a fellow hound dog mom and a With a Dog podcast listener. Her name is Jessica, and she is talking to us about the enrichment activities that she creates for her dogs, Lola and Forrest. Jessica is a working wildlife biologist, and so she really has a lot of education on this subject, and she gives us a lot of information about a dog's need for biological fulfillment, not just physical exercise. So it's not just that walk in the morning, but why they actually need to get that mental enrichment as well as physical enrichment in their lifestyle. And she kind of really tells us what biological fulfillment is. And she tells us how the type of enrichment that your dog needs may be based on their breed as well, or like what their strengths are, whether it's sight hound, scent hound, herding breed, things like that. She tells us her favorite products that she uses for enrichment 
and some DIY options. And then plus, at the end, we kind of run through a fun, quick fire round about things that she likes about her dogs, embarrassing dog mom stories, fun things like that. I can't thank Jessica enough for coming on. She she and I have done an Instagram live together before because she just makes the coolest enrichment activities for her dogs. And it's just so fun to look at on Instagram. And I was really happy that she was w- willing to come on and talk more about all of those enrichment ideas with all of you. So hope you enjoy. Let's get into this episode. All right, we're in. It's happening. Jessica, you are a listener, a hound dog mom, the topple queen, and I'm so happy to have you on. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on. I've been listening ever since the first episode of season two, Jonathan's Journal. Uh, so hound episode uh, totally got me hooked and I listen every Wednesday. <laughs> uh, it is so, okay, it's so funny. We did that second hound episode with uh, yeah. Jonathan's journal and Charlotte. And I remember after that, I DM'd you and I was like, we didn't mention black and tan coon hats. Like, I'm so sorry. We forgot about Forrest. <laughs> I, immediately, I just like immediately thought of you. I was like, no. Like, <laughs> anyway, well, Let's back it up because obviously I know you well through DMing and we've done the Instagram live together. But just if you, for all the rest of the listeners, can you ble- briefly introduce yourself and your dogs? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, my name is Jessica and I run uh, Sit Forest Sit, um, but I'm a wildlife biologist. I specialize in reptiles and amphibians. Um, and essentially my job is to prevent um, extinction. So I work with species at risk. Um, and that's my day job. Mm-hmm. I've also been keeping hounds for about 12 years now. And they're totally my breed. I just love them so much. Um, and I currently have two hounds. Okay, I love how you said keeping hounds. I've been keeping because <laughs> it's true. It's not just I feel like that's the best. That should be the new name of the podcast. That should be your new someone needs to take that Instagram handle keeping hounds. <laughs> It's pretty it's pretty accurate because I I feel like the way you live with hounds is a little bit different than the way you live with certain other breeds. Yes. Um I was a kid, we had um large breed dogs, so we had a Great Pyrenees, um and we had two Newfoundlands and just very, very different <laughs> demeanor, um, different interactions than hounds. Um, obviously, very sweet dogs, the Newfs in particular, just like such awesome family dogs and they love swimming and it's just very different from living with these independent, um, <laughs> <Yes>. independently <minded> animals. <laughs> well, that's a great, like, keeping almost, like, implies, like, convincing them to stay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what it is. It's like, I've been convincing my hounds to love me for 12 years now. <laughs> library involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, okay, go back to your your hound dogs. Sure. So um, when our one of our family dogs passed away, um, I was moving out around the same time. And it just left this huge hole in my heart. Like, you know how it is. Um, it's it's really hard to lose any dog. And um, this dog had meant a lot to me. Her name was Millie. And she was a, a Lansier Newfoundland. So one of the black and white ones. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when she passed, I was probably 18 years old. Um, <laughs> and I immediately decided that the appropriate thing for me to do at that age would be to get a dog. So <laughs> I went on, <laughs> I went on Kijiji, which is, um, essentially the Canadian Craigslist. And I was just, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I had had dogs my whole life, but you know, I just, I came across this ad that said free hound and had no information at all. And I don't, (laughs) I just drove to the dog and it was Lola and I drove up this long dusty farm road and out of this barn came this like terrified emaciated dog she was so scared and she had lots of parasites um, she had fleas all over her and um a lot of internal parasites as well and she just hopped into my car um the person who owned her said that she had the same birthday as me <laughs> uh, <laughs> said november 18th then i was like okay yeah i'm sold i'm sold so i just i loaded the sound into my car and uh that was definitely the beginning of uh the rest of my life <laughs> It's a good thing that she was free since you needed to go get all of her parasites and everything taken care of. So that's definitely a bit of a lesson there um, when you're just picking up a, I mean, maybe you could call this a rescue situation. Um, When you're picking up a dog like this, there's usually a lot of hidden costs involved. Mm -hmm. So that definitely uh, hit me like a ton of bricks at 18. Um, But I I loved her so much, so I did anything that I could to try and um, get her healthy, and we really formed this this amazing relationship. Oh, I believe that for sure. Lupin was my first, and it's – okay, I'm not going to say that the relationship is worse with Albie, but it's, like, different. It's a different relationship than your first, like, me and Lupin and you and Lola, especially when you get them so young. At like 18, I can only imagine. I mean, like school and jobs and like, it's like everything is a first with them. Yeah, I think that's a big part of why our relationship is so strong, because we've been through so many different things like that. She was about a year, year and a half when I got her. And I had no idea what I was in for because my noobs would walk off leash. Example. <laughs> um, so I definitely had quite a few um, learning learning opportunities, <laughs> um, where I thought that Lola would be able to do that too. Um, I have had situations where like in the early days where she's gone onto a scent of something and she's been gone for eight hours and that's just the most awful nerve wracking thing. Um, <laughs> so we yeah. really worked on manners after that, but, um, I really wasn't prepared for, um, the type of personality that you get with a hound. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I'm my own woman. Okay. <laughs> You're just some young 18-year-old. Like, <laughs> I'm going to, if I want to be gone for eight hours, I'm going to do it. See ya. Yeah. But it turned out that our personalities meshed so well because I was independent and kind of ridiculous and show, so was she. And it was just this really great fit. Um, so she was a huge handful, but we can talk a little bit more about that um, later with regard to the enrichment. Uh, a few years uh, into having her, my, my partner and I, Mike, decided that we wanted to get another dog. So I went to the Humane Society. I went to the Humane Society to fill out a volunteer application. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We left with a dog. (laughs) 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 More specific. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we saw Cletus there. He was a black and tan and he was about a year old and he um, had been found around Christmas time running around in the woods. Um, He, same kind of same condition, really emaciated, very, very traumatized and scared. So um, we 
just absolutely fell in love with him after having, you know, having had Lola for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we decided to take him home and he was very fear reactive. So I had had a couple of fosters in between uh, getting Lola and getting Cletus. So I I did have some experience with this type of behavior, but um, that was definitely um, a challenge at the beginning, but it ended up being such a rewarding relationship for everybody. He totally fell in love with Lola. Like he just followed her into the car, and uh, I think she helped him through a lot of his anxieties. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. <laughs> yeah, we had Cletus for about eight years. Um, he had a lot of health problems that were uh, largely undiagnosed. Um, we took him to a lot of vets, um, a couple of specialists. He had really bad um, allergies. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the vets, maybe it's because I live in a fairly rural area, but a lot of vets um, suggested that I didn't do allergy testing because it was an expensive road that I wouldn't get any answers from. And that was really the mentality that I was getting from our veterinarians. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was definitely the, that was the ideology and still is sometimes about the allergy testing. Yeah. Well, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to know everything as a veterinarian. And I completely understand that. We had you know, that's the route that was offered to us is uh, medication. And he didn't do very well on it. So yeah. um, he had him for about eight years. And then he passed away last February, uh, February 2020. Mm-hmm. And it was hugely devastating for me and Michael, of course. Um, <clears throat> so we decided that, especially for Lola's sake as well, she was really missing him, that we would get another dog. Uh, so I was looking around and uh, I found it's very hard to find black and tans in Canada. It's the breed that I knew that I wanted. Uh, but if you go onto the Canadian Kennel Club website, there is no text. <laughs> like they, there are no breeders in Canada. They don't exist as far as the Canadian Kennel Club is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to find a breeder of um, a working line. And I was in contact with him for a little while and <clears throat> let him know that I was experienced with hounds. At that point, I had had them for um, about 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just let him know that I was super experienced with her, pretty experienced with hounds. Um, and he was able to offer us a puppy. It was actually the puppy that he had planned on keeping. Um, but things had changed for him a little bit. So um, I was able to get Forrest. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, we really lucked out. <laughs> yeah. And Forrest is such a good looking dog. I have to say, like, I feel like from day one, you know what? He always reminded me, like, all of his puppy pictures that you post of, like, Dumbo, where, like, like his ears will just, like, unfold and all of a sudden they're just, like, there. But it's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) His fancy ears. Yes. (laughs) Um, So he's the first puppy that I've had in a really long time since, uh, since my parents' dogs, really. And as you've brought up and uh, previous guests have brought up it's a little bit different when your parents are training your dog mm-hmm. <laughs> versus you doing it yourself um but it's been a, a fantastic experience uh teaching him from puppyhood a lot of the things that i haven't been able to teach my rescue hounds um so his fear reactivity is not even on the same you know on the same level as cletus's for example mm-hmm. he's very bold he's very goofy uh very happy-go-lucky yeah did you already have the Instagram for Lola and Cletus, or did you start sit for a sit when you got Forrest? I started it when I got Forrest a couple months after, actually, uh, my sister told me that I need an Instagram for this giant Dumbo dog. (laughs) 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 Um, And I was kind of 
trying to figure out what uh, what handle would work, what I really wanted to do with it. Um, so I decided on Sit Forest Sit. Um, I've never seen Forrest Gump, <laughs> confession. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like a play on one Forrest run, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> You okay? Wait. Okay. First of all, how is it that I keep talking to people who haven't seen like iconic movies? Izzy was saying that she had never seen any of the like Marvel ones or any Star Wars. You haven't seen Forrest Gump. We need to have like a movie watching dog club or like just like we need to watch all these movies that people are missing out on. My partner would agree with that. He always says, like, "How do I, I have barely seen any movies, <laughs> just in general." Yeah, <laughs> he would be on that on board with that. <laughs> okay. Um, well, no, I didn't even think of the Run Forest Run when I saw the name. I just thought it was so. I don't like a so normal of like a dog mom thing to say, you know, when you're like, you know. Like, I could totally see myself, you know, sit, Lupin, sit, you know, yes. like yelling. At him. And so that's what I thought. I was just like, do this. And so it, it reminded me of just like training a puppy, like training for it. Yeah. Like, sit for it, sit. So I love that. I love that. Um, okay. So those are your hounds. That is you. And you said you're a wildlife biologist. Yes. Okay. So in Richmond, you mentioned it earlier. We mentioned it earlier with the whole Topple Queen Instagram live that we did. So it seems like you do a lot of enrichment with Forrest and Lola. Can you, what is enrichment like mean to you and how do you implement it in their lives? Sure. So um, as I mentioned, Lola was a handful when I first got her. Um, she got a ton of exercise. Like we hiked uh, multiple hours. Like I, you know, I was kind of done high school. I was in that period where I had a lot of free time. So we would hike for hours every day. <clears throat> Pardon me. So she really got a lot of physical enrichment, yet she was still climbing onto counters and going into that top cupboard above the oven and pulling out boxes of granola bars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing zippers to my backpack and getting into just like these crazy things. You're a dog was my thought at the time. What is happening and why are you doing this even though you're getting all of this physical enrichment? Yeah. Um, hounds are just, and I mean, this this applies to other breeds too, but hounds are super clever and super independent. Um, so I think what she needed was just that mental challenge. Mm -hmm. So I started giving her her meals in uh, like pop bottles, soda bottles that um, were washed out and I would just put the kibble inside, cut out a little hole and essentially use that as a work to eat toy so that she could um, just put that brain power to use in a little bit more of a focused way. So she was essentially using those enrichment games as an outlet and a lot of those behavioral problems, um, getting into the trash and things like that, stopped, uh, mostly stopped after, um, after this enrichment. So just to back up a little bit, when I speak about enrichment, I'm talking about um, generally biological fulfillment, which is tapping into these um, these natural behaviors that your dog would normally have and normally want to exhibit and finding ways to let them have that outlet in the game form or in their meals. Okay. So a lot of my enrichment with Lola has been dietary. Um, like I said, those toys where she can kind of... Um, swatted around, practice foraging, practice sniffing, and uh, really kind of working her brain that way. Um, but we also do a lot of other things. Um, one of my favorite is um, 
like a sniffari kind of scent walk where the dogs just go on a long line and they're allowed to sort of forge their own path and just sniff everything and really work that part of their brain. As scent hounds, um, it's really important that they tap into that or else they do get very, very frustrated. And that's when those behavioral problems can come out. Okay. And that's like almost essentially what she was doing when she was going to get the granola bars. She was like, I can smell them above the oven and like, I'm going to go on my own little sniffar. I'm like, you know what? I'm impressed. You're like, wow, you're so smart. Don't do that again, but you're so smart. Yeah. Okay. I love that you kind of mentioned it with the frame of the biological fulfillment, though, because when I first heard the word enrichment, it was when I was working at a zoo. And that's what we would do for like, the animals there, you know, I was like an intern. So it was, you know, me like cutting up chunks of sweet potato and stuffing them in a box and then putting the box in, you know, so the like, whatever the monkeys can get it. And so, um, and so it was a lot of chopping vegetables for <laughs> was, was my time at the zoo. <laughs> But, um, but it was, it was really interesting. And a lot of people don't think of that as a dog needing that type of biological fulfillment. They, they just think a dog goes on walk or gets belly rubs or whatever, Mm -hmm. and that's enough for them. And so I just love that there's this huge movement happening, it seems like to me in the dog community of entertaining their, their mind a little bit more and getting that biological fulfillment rather than just taking them on a run in the morning. Oh, they're exhausted, done. You know, yeah. and that's their life. And so I like I really like that because I even as a dog mom, I didn't even think about giving that type of enrichment to Lupin. It I don't remember when it hit me, but it was something like, oh yeah, like I gave enrichment to all the animals at the zoo. I wonder if Loopy would need that. Yeah. Okay, so how does your wildlife biology background kind of play into the dog enrichment as far as it seems like you have a lot of knowledge on like foraging and the sniffari, like those kind of things. So is there a way, like what are the best practices, I guess, to mimic that biological fulfillment, but obviously in a like domestic way? That's a great question. I think a lot of it depends on your breed of dog or what group your dog is from. So I've been talking about scent hound enrichment primarily, and uh, this can apply to lots of breeds of dogs. Really, any breed um, will still, you know, eat their meal out of a out of a work to eat toy or might be interested in the safari. But I think uh, the most important thing when you're um, trying to figure out uh, a plan of attack for your specific dog is to look at that breed group and see what would most be appropriate. Um, for example, with a herding dog, um, there are products like big herding balls that you can get. Um, something like that might actually be more appropriate for a herding dog than a sniffari. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most dogs are very happy to go out and just sniff around and it will make them very happy. But um, really tapping into that, uh, I think, is the way to go. Or like um, using flirt poles for sight hounds that are very, very sight driven. Yes. Um, yeah, and another thing that we really like to do for the scent hounds here is um, hide kibble throughout the house, and it's kind of a hide-and-seek thing. So they're really using their nose uh, <laughs> to sniff it out like a truffle pig. Yeah. <laughs> Mike has said before he can hear a forest snows from, like, the other room. Yes! <laughs> we call it Lupin's helicopter, because it sounds yeah. like a... Like a- <laughs> like this like wind happening yeah 
So I think that's really the key is like tapping into that. Um, the Snifaris are so good at unlocking um, this part of their brain, though, that they don't necessarily get to unlock when they're doing a structured walk. Um, they're just really working lots of parts of their brain and um, trying to figure out what's going on environmentally around them, which is such a natural behavior for a canine. I really like what you mentioned, too, with the foraging, because what we learned with when I spoke with uh, Sean, the vet, was ancestrally, yes, dogs you know, were descendants of wolves, but that's been so long ago. And so it's like they've they've developed different habits and needs biologically like since then. So it's not just because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, tearing apart a bone or whatever, that's gonna fulfill them. And it's like, well, they like display different types of other needs and behaviors as well, like since those like carnivore days, basically. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And I'm yeah. like, this is this is my, my like basic biology. <laughs> like, if I remember my animal behavior courses <laughs> yeah, coming out, right? Um, they are, and they're not wolves, and um, they actually um, share a common ancestor more than um, dogs have evolved from wolves themselves. So um, they share this common ancestor that had very different tendencies and very different ways of kind of making its way through the world, um, and our. Domestic dogs very much relied on, you know, foraging through human garbage um, to kind of eventually form those relationships with humans that they made. Boom. Done. Okay, cool. Cool. (laughs) We got it. Listen to the wildlife biologist. (laughs) Not not my like (laughs) random summary of what I think I've understood from other people. (laughs) No, you nailed it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... I think I think that kind of rounds out all of our enrichment topics that I wanted to talk about. Oh, actually, you know what? Last question about the enrichment. What products do you recommend and how do you recommend like filling them and using them? Um, so there's, I feel like there's a few tiers um, related to affordability because some enrichment things can be, I would say, prohibitively expensive. Um, some toys and puzzles and things like that can you know, cost a lot, especially if you purchase several. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because variety is super important to enrichment. So if you are giving a Kong with peanut butter, for example, or a puzzle toy with some really awesome treats every single day, it's no longer enrichment, it's routine because your dog just knows it like Mm. the back of its paw. (laughs) Um, so, uh, So it isn't getting the same types of challenges from those toys or from that Um, that exercise anymore. So my number one recommendation probably won't come as a surprise, but it's um, the Topple by Westpaw. So it's kind of like um, a cup-shaped Kong. Uh, The reason that I personally prefer it to Kong is that it's really easy to clean. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) And like, if anyone has ever used a Kong before, you definitely understand the struggle of trying to scrape peanut butter out of the bottom of it. (laughs) It's like an enrichment toy for yourself. You're like, why am I working harder than the dog to clean this right now? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Um, So I really like it for that reason. There are also a lot of ways that you can make it more challenging. For example, it comes in two sizes and you can squeeze them together and it makes kind of a puzzle toy. So that's that's always my number one. Westpaw has a few more options um, like the Quizzle, which um, is kind of bone shaped and has a very narrow, very narrow opening. Um, so you can put some different types of foods in there and just provide a different challenge for your dog. 
Um, Kongs obviously are classic, and I do recommend Kongs as part of that cycle. Um, otherwise, I love the Nina Osterman puzzles. Um, all of those puzzles are absolutely phenomenal. Um, they provide a lot of variety and a lot of challenge for your dog. Uh, but I'm also a big fan of cardboard boxes. <laughs> so just like, <laughs> give me all your recycling and I will <laughs> happily make it into some enrichment for the dogs. It's free. Um, they get a lot out of it. You can provide uh, lots of different, um, I guess I would say like lots of different cavities and ways that they can access the food, ways that the food is hidden. And then they also get the added bonus of shredding the cardboard after, which they really, really love. Okay. I think those are all really, really good approachable things that people can use for enrichment as you said sometimes it can get really expensive and it makes sense that you can't continuously buy toys over and over again to make it like slightly different each time it's but to maybe do some diy things so maybe i know there's a lot on pinterest too if anyone's looking i like i've seen if you just do like dog enrichment or dog puzzle diy or something like that on um on like Pinterest or Google it. And I think there's a lot that comes up too. If, if you're crafty, I am not. I'm, <laughs> I feel like there's definitely like different types of people in the world. And I am one of those people who are like, I'm just going to spend the money and let <laughs> and buy the toy. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can be like that too. <laughs> okay. Now that rounds out the enrichment portion of my questions. So everyone loves when we have like just fun dog mom chat. So um quick fire round first one dogs on the bed yes or no lola used to all the time and now um she actually prefers a dog bed which is great for me um i like her on the bed to be honest <laughs> but she uh will just lie in the dog bed like right beside where i sleep um forrest likes getting on the bed so he will either sleep in his crate or on the bed um he takes up a lot of room a confusing amount of room <laughs> Because it's like, you know, he's sitting on the couch and he's curled up in like Cooney curl, super compact. And then he gets on the bed and it's like six or seven times the size and he just sprawls over it and he's a kicker. Um, so he tends to like curl up um, with his back to me and then Mike gets like all the legs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like half and half crate and on the bed. <laughs> okay, that's that's like perfect though, because Lupin... Lupin's like the same, like he'll curl up into a little ball on the base of the bed and you're like, great, you're not taking up much space. And then somehow in the middle of the night, the legs like spread out and you're like, how do I not have any covers or any bed now? And then the getting up in the middle of the night is the worst too, to be like, to try to move them because they're just dead weight. Dead weight. And then yeah. like, then they'll move and take your spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They remind me of those, um, you know, those like little foam dinosaurs, you pour water on them and they expand. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a little creature and then just over time. <laughs> and they just get bigger and bigger. They take up more. This, I mean, I feel like that's such an allegory for just like dogs in general, probably. Like they just take up more and more of your time and money. And <laughs> and then you're like, where did ever, where did it all go? <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> favorite thing about Lola and Forrest? Okay. Um, my favorite thing about Lola is that she is super intelligent. She's very independent, but also absolutely my Velcro dog. She is currently sitting on my feet, <laughs> <laughs> but her eyes are closed because she doesn't need me. <laughs> so she's letting yeah. me know. Um, so I love, I really love that about her. Um, just watching her be able to solve problems is so cool. 
forest, um, he's extremely happy-go-lucky. Like, always wagging his tail. Everything is just the best. And that's really cool to see. <laughs> okay, now least favorite thing about each of them. Um, <laughs> for Lola, it's probably the same thing as my favorite thing. She's so smart. So <laughs> she's, like, always getting into trouble. Oh, she, like I said, um, the enrichment, the integration of enrichment has really um, helped manage those behavioral problems, but she's just very intelligent and she does try and get into things when she has the opportunity. Um, yeah. Uh, needs to be neutered. So it's currently his humping. <laughs> Something that he's picked up like in the last three weeks. <laughs> I would like to get past this phase. <laughs> is he humping like you or is he trying to hump Lola? Um, fortunately, he's not trying to hump me or Lola. Um, he does try and hump some of his friends sometimes. <laughs> um, he has one friend in particular who is, uh, she's a female black and tan coon hound. Her name is Lucy. She uh, doesn't mind it at all, but it's not a behavior that I <laughs> that I want to see. Also, hump, uh, if he's really excited with his toys, he'll hump. Oh, yes. Ouch. And I just, it's just started and it's manageable. I would just like to move past it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. What dog-related thing have you spent the most money on? Um, that's a tough question. It could potentially be the collection of enrichment toys that I have downstairs. <laughs> uh, but I think it's probably pet insurance. If you were to look at one mm -hmm. single item, uh, I think it would be pet insurance. Okay. Then a few years back, um, when we still had Cletus, we were um, staying for the weekend at some in-laws. And they had left rat poison out, warfarin rat poison, and he actually wow. got into it and he had to be rushed to the emergency vet. It was really horrifying and really scary. And I just uh, really wouldn't want to be in that position again overall, but financially as well. Mm -hmm. He had to spend two nights at the emergency clinic, so it's just super expensive. Um, he was fine, <laughs> but just... Yeah, pet insurance, I feel like, is something that's yes. worth spending that money on. <laughs> I feel like that's a great answer, though. You're spending a lot of money to make sure you don't have to spend a lot of money, potentially. Totally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was the thing. I posted on a Facebook group the other day. Someone was like, is pet insurance actually worth it? I, I, I said yes. I was like, absolutely yes. The amount of money I've spent on Lupin for medical things that were not, pre he was not predisposed to. Right. Like, I, it's not like he was, you know, sometimes like a dachshund or a corgi. It's like spine issues potentially or a lab with hip dysplasia or like whatever. It's like nothing he was predisposed to have. It was nothing that he showed a potential for when we rescued him. So it was like the amount of money I spent, I was, I was like, no, he's healthy. He's fine. I don't need pet insurance. And now I was like, I wish I had it. But it's also with the risk of you may never actually use it. I know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I like followed up my comment with that. I was like, highly recommend. Like these are this is why. But also there's always the potential that you never use it. And then you're like, how? why did I spend all this money on pet insurance? Yeah, like Lola, almost 13 years old. She is so healthy. Uh, we've never had an incident at all. If I had been paying for pet insurance for her for the entirety of her life, I probably would have paid more in insurance than any conceivable hospital bills. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Yes, it's so true. But then also, it's like you don't want to be without it. So, okay, anyway, good answer. Okay, next question. If Lola and Forrest got out of the yard or like were unsupervised, what would they get up to? <laughs> okay, 
So Lola has gotten out of the yard before. Um, one particular time I remember her seeing a fox at the back of my parents' property, which is like a three acre fenced yard. Um, she saw this fox, she jumped off of uh, the deck, like cleared these stairs and just took off after it. And she, that was the time that she was gone for eight hours. She okay. was just on the trail of this fox. Um, Forrest, I don't know. I feel like Forrest would probably come back to the door. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I feel like he wouldn't go too far. He does like to explore, but um, he likes to be close to us as well, uh, which is something that I've really tried to train from a young age. <laughs> Cletus, our last dog, if he would ever get out of the yard, he would show up on the front doorstep. <laughs> He's like, I have made a mistake. <laughs> That's so great. Um, good answers. Good answers. So next one, most embarrassing dog mom moment that you can think of. Uh, there are quite a few that come to mind. Uh, one, though, once I lived with a few roommates, and this one of my roommates was an excellent baker. Like, she was so good. Um, she made this really beautiful apple pie with a lattice crust, and it was for her grandma, and it was, like, so pure and sweet. <laughs> and um, I went up to have a shower or something. I was gone for a couple of minutes. Lola ate the entire pie off of the counter. Uh, it was really embarrassing. <laughs> She'd spent hours making it, and Lola finished it off in like twenty seconds. <laughs> oh my god! It's okay. It's ten times worse that it was for your friend's grandma, too. It's not like we were gonna eat it. <laughs> I know. If someone had just like made some cookies or something and she got them off the counter, it's kind of like whatever. But it's like lattice crust for grandma. Oh. Like handmade pastry. That shit's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Lola's got good taste. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> she was happy. <laughs> um. Okay, I think that rounds out all of my quickfire questions. Last question that we're just going to finish the episode with is, why do you choose life with a dog? I've always lived with dogs. I, I can't imagine not having a dog around, but the relationship that I've had with dogs that are my own versus family dogs, like we spoke about before, is just something that's so, you can't get that kind of relationship with anything else i mean obviously hum human relationships are one thing but this relationship that i have with lola it's different, it's different. yeah she's my soulmate she just gets me <laughs> yeah and the joy that they bring to you and all the challenges and everything it's uh, it's a ride <laughs> i love that i love yes great answer the i feel like you're right the relationship that you get with dogs is so it's so different than a relationship with like any other pet or any person, we both have mics for partners, and it's different. <laughs> we're okay. I'm actually thinking about this a little bit, Jessica. We're like some. We're like secretly kind of twins. We both have a mic as our partner. We both have old hound dogs. You have a Lola. I have a Lupin, and <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, it's a little, it's a little similar. Yeah, you lived in England. That's where I'm from, or my family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, if anyone wants to find you, check out more of your enrichment tips that you put on your Instagram or just see cute pictures of Forrest and Lola amongst flowers, <laughs> where can they find you? Sure. Uh, so my Instagram account is at sit period forest period sit. 
Um, you can find me on TikTok too, although I don't have very many videos up there. Uh, yeah, definitely reach out if you have any questions about enrichment. I'm more than happy to answer them. Awesome. Well, definitely. Yeah, everyone go look at the amazing topple creations. I'll post one, I think, for, for this episode on our Instagram too, just so you can see Jessica's culinary expertise for the dogs. Very impressive. Everyone go check that out. If you want to follow us, it's at with the dog podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And our website is at with or our website is with the dog podcast.com. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks again, Jessica. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All content on With A Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer or behaviorist.